a personal thing, but what I love about short-term rentals is the fact that if you're creative and if you use technology to kind of automate a lot of your processes, then you can really outperform the market and you can outperform a lot of your competitors. So, you know, whereas with long-term rentals, it's, it's largely a commodity, you know, one two-bedroom apartment in one neighborhood will generally perform. What a year 2020 was. 2021 is here and I hope you're hitting the ground running. I know we are here at Dwelling. We've just got a deal on the contract. We're going to be closing on soon. For those that have joined us on that deal, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you are saying, what am I talking about? Then you need to take your investing game to the next level in this year. So make sure you join the Dwelling Deal List, an exclusive deal list. Um, not only do you get access to our deals quickly, but you also get tips and tricks about you know how you can take your, your investing game to the next level this year. So if you are not on the Dwelling Deal List, click on the link in the show notes or just go to dwelling.com. Um, that's DW. E-L-L-Y-N-N.com or just go to investwithola.com and just sign up. Sign up, sign up, sign up. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got Boris with us today. Hey, Boris, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Ola, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for being here. So I, I know a little bit about you, read your profile, of course, but I think, you know, our listeners would like to know more about who you are, um, kind of how you get started and kind of what you're doing right now. So if you want to um, jump in and just kind of let us know what Boris is. Absolutely. So right now, as far as real estate goes, uh, my wife and I, we run a short-term rental hospitality company. So we have properties in about five cities uh, all over the U.S., and we host about 10,000 guests per year. And the short-term rentals are effectively our real estate strategy for acquiring, cash flowing, and kind of growing our uh, portfolio. And then uh, real estate aside, I also run uh, and have co-founded an electric bike company about 10 years ago. Uh, so that's effectively my full-time uh, responsibility. Nice. I like, I mean, the bike, I wasn't expecting that, but of course I read about that on your profile, you know, he has a really cool, um, cool name to it, Evlo. So yeah, definitely want to touch on that as well, but let's kind of, you know, start with the real estate part. So, you know, your wife and I are running this, the short-term Airbnb business, which is really blowing up right now, actually. Um, but what were you guys doing before that? And why did you actually start doing this? Yeah. So, you know, it, it all goes back to about, I would say, five years ago. So, you know, if we go back five years, my wife, my wife was working at a corporate job. Um, I was doing Evelo full time. And, um, you know, one of the things that we used to do all the time was travel a lot. And we've always been huge proponents of Airbnb. Uh, and we've always talked about doing something of that uh, similar to that ourselves, uh, but never quite took the step. And then about five years ago, we took a trip to Seattle uh, that was the first step in, um, in our real estate uh, portfolio. And it was a little bit of an unusual step because we actually stayed on a boat uh, in Seattle. And when we got back to Boston, where we live, we decided to get a boat for ourselves. And our rationale was, 
we'll live on it. And then when we're away or traveling, we'll rent it out on Airbnb and kind of offset some of the costs. So we got the boat, we got the boat part, uh, we moved in. And then it so happened that we didn't, we never quite rented out uh, the boat on Airbnb, but instead we did get an apartment uh, that immediately we had made the decision to rent out as a short-term rental property. Um, and you know, to be frank, one, one thing led to another. It, the, the first property did very well, uh, and within a year, we the cash flow enabled us to to put down a deposit for a second property, uh, and then about a year later, we did a third one. And right now, we're on a pace to add about two to three properties per year, and kind of growing from there. Fascinating. First and foremost, I don't know if the listeners is thinking the same thing I'm thinking. You're not talking to us on a boat right now, are you? No, no, no. So right now we're land dwellers. Uh, we haven't lived in a boat, you know, for the, for the last three, four years. But it was it was definitely a pivotal experience for for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet. I mean, that's pretty pretty cool. I mean, um, you know, to, to kind of live in a boat. Um, that, that's a nice life. Yeah, and you know, the, the truth is actually, it, it did have another aspect uh, for us. You know, one of the things that we've decided early on is that we made the decision that we don't want to buy an apartment to live in or a house to live in, but instead we wanted to focus our capital or whatever we had for, for investment properties. Uh, and again, being in a boat enabled us to do that. We, we didn't feel like we had a need to, to buy a house for ourselves. So instead the very first property that we acquired was essentially used for, for investments. Perfect. So, you know, there's a, I mean, we, we can't, skip over what happened last year in 2020 with the coronavirus pandemic. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of my friends that do short-term rentals. Actually, um, a really good friend of mine does this in the UK. Um, and, you know, we, we felt, obviously, you know, the, the, the wrath of, of the shutdown all over the world. Um, how, how did that affect your business? I'm just kind of curious. And how did you, how did you guys kind of mitigate that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So I would say, uh, here's what happened. Uh, when the shutdowns originally began in the US, and let's say March, April, uh, our business, like for many other short-term rental operators and hotels, uh, we did see a dive. Uh, so the revenues went down uh, and the demand certainly sl slowed down because a lot of our properties depend on business travelers and overseas travelers. But a couple of funny things uh, happened or ironic things happened. Uh, so first of all, through the rest of the year and pretty much through the entire 2020, we managed to keep all of the properties in pretty much all of the cities at about 90% occupancy. So what happened was that we changed our model a bit where our demographic and our guests uh, changed. You know, instead of being overseas business travelers, they became low and regional travelers and tourists and people coming in for, for, for a hospital or university or whatever it may be. And our rates dropped a bit as well. But the fact that we managed to stay 90% full allowed us to not only pay all of our bills, but still remain uh, fairly profitable. 
Wow, interesting. So I, I've heard that I actually some some guys have actually done pretty well because they had properties that were close to you know hospitals and things like that. And they had traveling nurses and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So one of the interesting things is that the pandemic did not affect uh, all of the short-term rental operators equally. So, for example, uh, we have properties in urban markets, and then we have a property in, let's say, in a vacation rental market in the mountains. Uh, so for individuals and operators that have more traditional vacation rental properties, especially if they are, let's say, within a two-hour drive of a city, if they are somewhat secluded, if they're in a nice remote area, those properties actually did incredibly well. And last year was a record year for them. Uh, whereas if you have an urban property, uh, especially close to downtown or close to a convention center, then yes, uh, your numbers would decrease. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's very interesting that the impact was not even and the recovery is also a bit uneven interesting so the other thing that maybe some listeners might be thinking that i am thinking as well for for our listeners i guess is so you've got short-term rentals which is airbnb as you've beautifully described to us here uh but then someone might go well why don't i just buy a property put a tenant in there and rent it long term like why even bother with this all you know, fixing the bed every three days and, you know, like, why don't you just get a tenant and put it, you know, put a tenant in there and call it a day? Well, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I would say it comes down to three things for us. So the first thing, which I, I think is relevant to, to a lot of listeners, is that the short-term rentals just cash flow a lot better. Uh, I mean, that's re really quite a fact. Um, so that extra cash flow allows us to build up enough capital reserves to be able to acquire additional properties at a much faster schedule than if all of these properties were only run as long-term rentals. So that's, that's one. Two, uh, it's a bit of counterintuitive, but the short-term rentals actually are kept in a better condition than long-term rentals. So many of the properties that we've run for, let's say, three or four years today, they will look almost identical to how they looked four years ago. And part of it has to do with the fact that we have a housekeeper there pretty much every day. All of the maintenance issues get addressed immediately. So in a, in a surprising way, there is less wear and tear on these properties. So they keep their resale value better. And the third one, um, I mean, this is a bit of a personal thing, but what I love about short-term rentals is the fact that if you're creative and if you use technology to kind of automate a lot of your processes, then you can really outperform the market and you can outperform a lot of your competitors. So, you know, whereas with long-term rentals, it's, it's largely a commodity, you know, one two-bedroom apartment in one neighborhood will generally perform similarly to another two-bedroom apartment in the same, on the same street or the same block. Whereas with short-term rentals, uh, two people can have the same property, but depending on how they run it, they can have drastically different results. 
Fascinating. No, thanks for thanks for sharing that. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I got a couple of points that I really like as well, actually. So the other the other question is, you know, you've got all this, you know, Airbnbs and you're you're able to, you know, virtually, as we say, especially with everything going on um, with last year, you were able to run your units, right, without even, you know, kind of going there every every other day. You know, how do you do that? How do you manage this, this, this you know, units um, virtually? Yeah, great question. So uh, to be frank, I- interestingly enough, uh, whenever we're setting up a property, even if we're setting up a property that's a 10 minute drive from us, we will treat it always as if it's a thousand miles away. Uh, and it's done by design. Uh, we want to make sure that all of these properties can be operated without the need to drop everything and go over there when there is a problem. So the way that we're able to do it um, comes down to a couple of elements. Uh, So one is in every market that we have, we have hired and kept really wonderful uh, ground team uh, members. So by ground team, I usually refer to housekeepers and maintenance handymen. So they help us on the ground tremendously and they're usually our boots on the ground to make sure that everything is operating well. The second thing is, As we got to a certain scale, we've been able to also create a virtual uh, kind of back office team. Uh, So right now we have also a great team of three individuals, three team members that effectively cover Monday through Sunday. So seven days a week from 9 a.m. until midnight. uh, And they will handle guest communication. They will handle all of the coordination for maintenance, uh, they will adjust pricing, just all kinds of things that are involved with this business. Uh, we've been able to, uh, you know, over time, uh, to build up a team that helps us handle that. Uh, and, the t- and the team is uh, located actually outside of the U.S., uh, which, which is kind of fascinating uh, that in today's world, that's easy to do. Easy to do. And the last thing, uh, and this is one of our favorite elements, is that we rely a lot on technology. Uh, So as I mentioned, we host uh, at this point close to 10,000 guests a year. And we use tools that are available to everybody, fairly inexpensively, to help automate a lot of the processes. So for example, 90% of the guest communication is automated. So the check-in instructions, check-out instructions, review requests, all of that, is done automatically. A lot of the pricing is automated. Uh, we'll use a tool that is similar to what hotels will use, where they will monitor the supply and demand and adjust the prices for every listing we have for every day of the year to maximize the revenue. And again, it's all done automatically, so it reduces the burden on us. So collectively, this is what allows us to manage it all remotely. Fascinating. So, you know, if I'm someone listening to this and maybe I'm, you know, my way to work or in the gym or whatever, and I'm like, wow, this, I like what this Boris guy is saying. I, I want to do this. What would, what would you say my first step should be? And how would I get started in, in, in kind of Airbnb? Well, so there's, there's a ton of great resources online. Uh, of course, if you're interested, you can also check out uh, a free guide that we put together to, uh, to becoming an Airbnb host that really talks through a lot of the basic fundamentals. And that would be on our website that we can uh, mention at the end of the call. Um, and beyond that, you know, it always begins with identifying a market 
that you want to operate in and deciding on kind of the demographic that you want to cover, uh, target. Now, so do you want to operate in an urban setting and target business travelers or do you want to operate by getting a cabin in the mountains or by a lake and targeting families? Uh, depending on your approach, it will impact a lot of the decisions uh, that you may have to make. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. You're basically talking about niches, right? You can have just so you can cover your own niche, um, you know, and just pick the kind of you know based on your market. I'm guessing as well your market drivers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the biggest thing that I would always say is uh, actually this is a quote that we've uh, read a little while back is that. You, know, you generally want to live where you want to live, but you want to invest where the numbers make sense. Uh, so the, the very first thing that I would say is you do not have to invest in the same city where you live. Uh, if the numbers make sense for that, it's excellent. Uh, but a lot of us live in expensive markets, you know, whether it's Seattle, New York, Boston, San Francisco. Uh, in a lot of these markets, first of all, the laws around short-term rentals are not favorable. Uh, but also the prices are just so expensive that it's difficult uh, to operate and uh, generate decent cash flow in your investment in these markets. So if, if you're in that situation, then it's good to be open to investing out of state or out of the city at least. So one last question, and then we, we jump into a quick round. So the first step, do I have to go buy a house or do I have to go look for a landlord? that would maybe allow me to Airbnb is or a house? Like how, what's the first, um, I guess, tactical step? So both, absolutely. So both of these are viable strategies. Uh, what you mentioned uh, at the end, which is kind of finding a landlord for, from whom you can sign a long-term lease and get their permission to do short-term rentals. Uh, this is usually called Airbnb arbitrage. Uh, and it's a good model to pursue, especially if the capital is limited. Uh, but the problem is, is that although you may get the benefits of cash flow uh, and kind of the difference between what you generate and what you pay the landlord, you miss out on a lot of the other real estate ownership benefits, whether it's depreciation, appreciation, uh, and th things of that sort. So the model that we pursue pretty much exclusively um, and what you know, we consider ourselves uh, to be better experts at uh, is the model where you acquire a house and then you set it up as a short-term rental property. Fascinating. Well, yeah, this is definitely, um, you know, doing into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. Let's do it. Ready, sir? All right. Absolutely. All right. Perfect. Um, first question, what makes you Boris unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? So I think that for us, for me, it's the fact that I've had a couple of technology companies in the past. So when I think about real estate, I always think about it from the technological perspective and can kind of bring in a very different perspective than a lot of the real estate investors or operators may have. Second question, what was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing you picked up from that book? Uh, that, that's, a, that's, that's a funny question because uh, right now the book that I'm finishing up is actually, uh, it's a collection of 
Amazon shareholders' letters from when they started 20 odd years ago to today. Uh, so kind of, <laughs> I, 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 I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was not expecting myself to be so engrossed into it, but the fact of the matter is, reading that book, you follow Jeff Bezos' thought process and how he literally built up the company year over year and the things that he focused on. And what I love about that particular book is that even 10, 15 years later, he will usually end his chapters or letters by saying that it's still day one for Amazon. Uh, and I think it's it's really important uh, for, for all of us to remember whatever business pursuits we have is that even if we've been doing it for five or 10 years, there's always so much opportunity. It just requires that mindset. Well, man, that is, that is powerful. Yeah, what's the name of the book? Well, okay. He, he deserves the credit. Uh, so I, I forget the name exactly, uh, but it's... Yeah, it's, you, can um, just, you can shoot me an email. Well, yeah, we'll find it. Let me know. I think, absolutely. I think the listeners will want to definitely know what that book is. Final question. You're, you know, reading fascinating books. You're building, you know, build your BMB you know, and, your, and your bike company as well. What do you do for fun? Ah, well, th- th- this, this one is actually an, a really easy one. So my wife and I, we just had a six-month-old daughter. Uh, and it, thank you. And I mean, the truth is, it's very fun to be a dad. And uh, I mean, a, a lot of the joy and fun activities that we have right now are, are kind of surround surrounding uh, spending time uh, with her. So yeah, maybe a bit of a cliche, but it, it really is true. No, no, I know. I've got two girls, one year old and four years old. So I know all about ah. that. Believe me. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's 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 um. It's a whole new world. Let's, let's put it that way. Right, right, right. Perfect. Well, if there's anyone listening to us, um, flying the wall, and they're thinking, "Wow, we like what Boris has said," um, how do we, you know, get connected, get to know you better? What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, so the, the best way is to check out our website at buildyourbnb.com. Uh, we have a free guide to Airbnb hosting there, and then you can reach out to us uh, directly through the contact us form on the site. Perfect. Short and sweet. Really appreciate you, Boris. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anytime. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.